I hate losing. Is anybody else that you're competitive, you just like, man, I, I hate losing. It's like, I, I don't care if it's just cornhole in the backyard, if it's competition with the kids. I just hate losing. I hate when your team is playing the football game and, um, and you know, last year with the Super Bowl, we thought we had a chance. You know, Ohio had a chance. We had some, you know, an opportunity and, and, and we kind of lost it. And, uh, you know, I hate losing. And it's just, Sometimes I feel like in life today, we feel like we're losing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you say, Pastor Johnny, we're not losing. I'm just saying, we see what Satan does and how he's working and how he's working. uh, He's just... He's killing it. I, I, I hate to say that. You say, Pastor Tony, don't give credit to Satan. I'm telling you, he's good at what he does. He's invading our world with addictions. He's overcoming families with anxiety and depression. You say, you say this, man, it's just so evident all around us. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. We start asking the question, like, where is God? And I thought, the, I thought the church was victorious. And I thought we stood strong on something. And I thought, I thought we claimed these verses in the Bible and these things. What's going on? So this series is called Benchwarmers. But we're, we're, combating, we're combating some of the big lies that, that take us out of the game. And, and I'm just, I, want, I want to relate to this and kind of use this football analogy. But I, I, I mean, it's a true thing that we're talking about. Here's lie number one. Let me just give you one that I, I, I want to combat as we go through this. Lie is we should expect to be defeated or get used to being defeated because we're living in evil times or last days. It's almost like I, I hear people say that. It's like, man, this is happening. Well, what do you expect? We're living in the last days. And, and I know things are going to happen in the world that I can't control. And I know the Bible says that things are going to get worse and worse. But nowhere in the Bible do I read that Christians should be defeated against the gates of hell. Nowhere. And maybe in our minds we've already accepted that. We've already kind of raised the white flag and said, well, it's just things are evil and things are complicated. Things are gotten to this, this point. Jesus was teaching the disciples and introducing them to something that would last. Something that was new and different. Not, not, not some of the parts of the concept of it wasn't new, but he was establishing something. Something that would be powerful and different. So Matthew chapter 16, and if you're there with me or can turn with me, I, I, I want to take you through some of these, these aspects of this. And I'm going to preach really short. And you say, you can't do that. I promise you, I'm going to try. Because we're, we're dividing the service in half. Half the service is going to be in here, and then the second half is going to be in the fellowship hall. And, and that's not us taking a break for something, you know, not essential. It's, it's very essential of what we're doing. We, we're doing this intentionally today. And Jesus is talking to the disciples, and it's a verse that we know very well. And I've preached on this many times. And Jesus said unto the disciples, and I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said all that hell has in the entire kingdom of hell cannot prevail, cannot overcome the church. So for anybody that has the mindset, well, we're living in the last days and we just got to raise a white flag and, and accept some of these things, that is not true. That is a, that is a lie. It's a lie. Will things get worse? Absolutely. Is Satan upping his game? Absolutely. But the church will not, the church will not lose. We, we, we are on the winning side when it comes to this. Then why does it feel like we're losing so much? Why does, why does sometimes we feel like the, the church is the underdogs? And, you know, just, I, I want to explain this today. 
Satan is definitely working in the world. It says this, and you guys get this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except their falling away first, that the man of sin shall be revealed, the son of perdition. The falling away is, is literally, he says in the last days, it's not going to be that, that, that the church is not powerful and that God's not working through the church. You know what happened? Let's just be real. We're going to take all that we know that should be and we're going to step away. I'm going to do my own thing. We're going to get so busy in life that we don't have time for church. I'm going to get so caught up in everything around me that all of a sudden the church the Bible, discipleship, evangelism, the Great Commission all of a sudden becomes secondary. It happens in our finances. It happens in our time. It happens in our talents. It happens in our resources. But God had a plan for the end times. Can I tell you guys that God had a plan for the end times? He was establishing something from the very beginning of the church, from the very beginning of time, but especially in the beginning of the church. If you were to study what Jesus did in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then he, he planted this concept into our culture of the church, it wasn't just saved individuals. It was something bigger than that, that he was going to collect them together and, and do something great through them. Beginning of the church, there was opposition. But that opposition, although they were kicking down doors and burning down churches, by the time you get to Acts chapter 16, the Bible says, and the disciples that were known for the people that were turning the world upside down. It wasn't easier. I mean, it, it, you think about it. It's like, when's the last time we had somebody kick open one of the doors and, and, and throws out and burn down the church? I mean, you just say, I know that stuff happens, but I'm just saying overall, man, God's blessed us so much. So God was establishing something. He said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And if I was to ask you guys, what is it, <clears throat> the rock, what would you guys say? What is the rock in which Jesus is, which God's building the church? What, yell it out at me. It's Jesus. But I, I don't think we fully understand what that means because it's, it's like the church cannot, the, the devil cannot prevail against the church. Why? Because I'm established on Jesus. And you're like, what, what does that look like? I mean, like right now, in this room, right now, Monday morning, what, it, what does it mean to be established on Jesus Christ? Because I'm going to tell you, yes, the answer is Jesus, but it went deeper than this. So let's back up and take this in context. Sometimes we'll just take one verse and we'll talk about it. And let, let's take it in context. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, when Jesus came the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? I think it's funny because he states his name in, in the description. He says, who do people say I'm the son of man? Who do people say that I am? Did you see how he said it like that? He's asking the disciples this. He said, hey, in the world around us, I'm just curious. And the response was like this. And they said, well, some say that thou art John the Baptist and some Elias and some Jeremiah, which is Jeremiah from the Old Testament, or one of the prophets. So they were kind of saying, well, a lot of people, this is what's going on. A lot of people think you're a really good guy. Can I establish something with you guys for us as, as like a church? If we're just following a really good guy, it's not going to last. There's a lot of good people that come and go. There's a lot of prophets. Jeremiah and Elijah were just average Joes, okay? They had no divine power from God except what God anointed them and blessed them to do. But they were not the authority of our lives, 
And I think sometimes we look at things as being optional. That's what Jesus was saying. It was, if it's built on man, and think about it, if it was built on Elijah, if it was built on Jeremiah, if it was built on one of the prophets, it would be built upon something that man does. And sometimes churches are built on what man does. Tell me about how great your church is. Well, we have, we have the best programs in the world, man. We have the best singing program. It's, all, it's man. We've been here for 57 years. That, that's man. Do you understand? It's not, we, we're, we're not established and strong because we have programs. We're not established and strong because we have facilities. We're not established or strong because we have a good name and reputation. Jesus was trying to get them to understand it's not about man. It's not about man. So he turns it. Watch this conversation. He's talking to the disciples. And he saith unto them, But whom do you say that I am? Turn it to the disciples. You know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, let me put it like this. Who do you guys say that I am? Peter, James, John, like, let, let me be serious with you guys. Who do you say that I am? He's trying to see, do you guys understand? If it's built on anything other than Jesus Christ, it's not going to work. And this is what happens. If it was just a religious leader, then it's going to be optional. Guys, do you understand that the authority of what we do is I say, guys, you should come back next week. And then you come back next week and you say, why did you come back next week? Well, Pastor Tony asked us to come back. If you come back just because Pastor Tony asked you to come back, then you have the wrong foundation for why you're here today. Some of you are, I'm here today because my mom and dad told me to get out of bed and I had to come because this is what I had. Then you're here for the wrong reasons. That's weak. It's weak. It will not last. And Satan will just plow right over you if it's all man. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus begins to establish and say, yes, <laughs> upon this I'll build my church. Say it was Jesus. It wasn't just Jesus. You see, for now, it's the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You see, Jesus was the word. You could say, how, how are we going to establish a church today that the gates of hell should not prevail against it? We can say all day long that it's built upon Jesus, but it's built upon the authority of who Jesus is today in the world is the word of God. This is it. Jesus could have in that same thing says, upon the authority of God's word, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. Let me just say this right now. It's not optional. Can I tell you guys that the way that this works and the way that we talk about it, if if we start deeming this as optional, it means that we put it on man's level. It's just like, well, I can do it or not do it. It doesn't matter. No, it's not optional. So you're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but thy Father which is in heaven. You could almost hear the excitement in Jesus' voice saying, You get it. You understand if this is going to work, you've got to get it. Because I'm not talking about just the traditions of going to church, but I'm saying get it in your heart. And he says in this, and I'll, I'll reveal this in a minute. He said, You didn't get that from man. There's conviction in your heart where you know why you're doing what you do. Watch this, verse 18. Then it says this. I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church on this. Let me, let me take you through just a couple of aspects of this, and then we're going to go to the fellowship hall. 
Why does the church prevail? We're talking about winning the game. Why does the church prevail? Number one, because the church is God's people. I, all of us say this all the time. It's like, well, of course, it's not a building. It's, it's the people. It's the people. It's the people. But let's, let's break that down a little bit and explain what that is. Because Jesus was even teaching this as he's going through this. Sometimes when we think of church, and I know the traditional thing, it's like a little white building. If you get a calendar and it's about the church, if you talk about the church, if somebody writes a book about the church, they're going to put a little white building on there. It's going to have this cute little steeple on side. It's going to be stained glass windows on the sides. And you guys know what I'm talking about? If, if it's a picture inside the church, it's going to be a pulpit. And there's going to be choir loft. And there's going to be, uh, you, you, know what I'm, you guys know what I'm talking about. Can I say that everything that I just said was all made up by man? Is it wrong? No, absolutely not. I thank God I have a pulpit. I need someplace to put my notes. But sometimes we get so wrapped around church being stuff that we miss the God behind the stuff. If, if all of this burnt down today and none of this was in existence, we could still have church because the church was not about stuff. Let, let me explain this. What would, God was establishing that the gates of hell shall not prevail against was people with a calling. Notice how it says, and I'm just breaking down this verse as we go into this. And he said in verse 18, and I say unto thee, he's talking to a guy. Now, now Peter wasn't a saint. He wasn't perfect. He didn't have superpowers. He, he wasn't some sort of a special guy. He was just a fisherman. Thou art Peter. He, he, he ties it in the people. Peter, and you just stop and say, how did, why is Peter here in the beginning? How, again, I'm talking about the church. Let's lay it out. What, what is the church? How did Peter even get here where God says, oh, Peter, Peter, I'm going to tell you now that I'm going to build the church. You are Peter. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to dress you as a person. One day, Jesus was going around. He was going to start the church. He was going to establish what he was doing, this powerful thing that the gates of hell should not prevail against. So let's take this illustration, okay? Here's Peter one day just sitting there. He's on the seashore. I don't know if he's standing or sitting or whatever, but I know he wasn't engaged in the work of God. He was, he was just there. And one day Jesus came up to him and he tapped him on the shoulder or called out to him or, or whatever he was doing. But the principle that I'm trying to show you guys is, is, is simply this. He was not engaged in what God was going to do until one day Jesus came along and he said, Peter, follow me. Come on. Come on, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. I, I, I hope you guys are starting to get it. What Jesus was going to start could not be if anybody stayed here. It's not an observer. It's not just, a, it's, it's not just watching. It's, it's not a sideline thing. It was never a sideline thing. It was get up and let's go. It, it was people with a calling. It was people like, hey, uh, let's go engage in something. And I, and I, and I think when it comes to, the, you know, watching football games, and you're like, if they had the star quarterback sitting on here, every one of us watching the, the game would be like, get them off the bench. We can't win games from the bench. Get them off the bench. Coach, put them in the game. Do you realize every one of the, you that are saved and you call out by God and that you have the spirit of God inside of you, you were not created to be on the bench. You were not created to observe the war. You were not created to be on the sidelines. When David went to the shore or the sideline that day and everybody was standing there and Goliath was running his big fat mouth. David said, I'm not going to be on the sideline. Give me a rock and a sling and let's go do something. That is what the church is. 
And as long as we're comfortable on the bench, just get used to losing. Be okay with losing. Because it's not what the church was ever created to be. It was people with a calling. Number two was people that were connected. And I don't have time to go into this. Maybe over the next couple of weeks, God will give me the liberty to do this. But he said, I'm going to build my church. He was using a description. I'm using kind of the description of getting in the game and not being a bench warmer. But Jesus was also doing a visual. He was the chief cornerstone. He set the stage for what he was going to build. He's using the illustration of building a kingdom. That's why he said the gates of hell. The gates of hell represented a kingdom. He, he talked about my kingdom is not of this world. We're not building Fellowship Baptist Church. We're building the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. It's not about us. You know why we're going to plant a church and you say, well, there's a bunch of empty seats around here. You know where they're at? They're in Dublin right now. They didn't belong to us. We're a movement. We're on a mission. I'm not, I, don't, I don't care. I'm not going to stand before God and say, wow, you collected a lot of people. No, you, you, you engaged a lot of people to do the work of God. That's what we're here to do. It's not about us. But he was building something. He said he's, he was assembling them together. Even when Jesus was doing that, he, he called, went up to Peter and said, follow me. And then he was like, hey, James, follow me. Hey, John, John, follow me. You know what he was doing? He was doing something different. He was assembling people together. How does Satan prevail? When we stop doing what God's called us to do. The, the Bible says, and I think it's in Peter, and I, I just off the top of my head, he's talking about the living stones of the church. It was, it was Peter and James and John and Philip and Bartholomew and Andrew. He was, he was Judas and all, the, he was, he was, all these living stones that he was establishing through the disciples. He was assembling the team. Later in the Bible, when it talks about the church, it doesn't talk about just a bunch of people randomly doing their own thing. It says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Can I just tell you that we're going to build it upon the rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it? Can I, can I just tell you what God is saying? Not forsaking. Don't forsake. Don't skip. Don't leave it out. Don't view it as optional. Not forsaking. Don't leave it out. The assembling of ourselves together. It's what he said. Who said that? Elijah? Nope. <laughs> Jeremiah? Nope. You're Jesus. The son of God. I do what you say. Because you're establishing something that the gates of hell should not prevail against. When we start looking at his optional, we start looking at his religion rather than the authority of what God's called us to do. It says at the end of this, so much the more as you see the day approaching, gathering of God's people and connecting of God's people is vital. Even when he teaches about the church, he says the hand and the foot and all these other things. He was illustrating this. But let me show you this. And he says, even so much the more as you see the day approaching. He said, things are bad. He says, stay connected. Stay connected. Have each other's backs. Assemble together. That's what he was telling us to do. But notice this. It was also people of conviction. They were called people, connected people, and, and convicted people. <clears throat> the word convicted literally means to be fully convinced of something. Notice why he was saying this in verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thou... Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed these to you. It wasn't Pastor Tony. It wasn't Pastor Chris. It wasn't Pastor Bryce. Flesh and blood did not tell you to do this. 
but my Father which is in heaven. It's conviction. If going to church is just a tradition, I'm going to sleep in on Sundays because I can break tradition. I'm just going to do it. Have you ever woke up on Sunday morning and thought, I don't want to go? You say, I'm not going to say that in here. I'll say it in here. I've woke up on many Sunday mornings and thought, I don't want to go. I'm tired. It feels good to sleep in. But something inside of me pulls me to something that is real. I'm here because I'm following the great I am, and I want to obey him. And I I teach my family, and I teach my kids, and I I follow and do discipleship, and and I gather together, and I teach, and I edify, and I do all these things. You know why? Because it's not about me. Jesus said, you know what, Peter? He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it because you're not making it about you. Flesh and blood did not say this to you, but you've been convinced by the, the Spirit of God. You, you better be convinced by the Spirit of God because let me put it like this. This also, know in the last days, perilous, difficult times are going to come. Complicated times. If all we do is follow after traditions and we can make things optional when it comes to church and the things of God and making disciples and coming together and gathering and it's, it, it's nothing more than tradition and you say, well, I, ra- I was raised that way. Good for you. <laughs> I'm glad. But if you only come to church because you were raised that way, one day difficult times are going to come and you'll get out. It's got to be conviction. Why does the church prevail? Because the church is God's people. Number two, because the church fulfills God's purpose. Let me ask you guys a question, you audience participation right now. And just be honest with me, okay? We're in church. You can, be, you can be transparent. You should be transparent. How many of you are ready for Buckeyes to play football again? Just, just, okay, you guys are all being quiet. It's like, we're in church. Oh, just raise me. Now, if we were at a pep rally, you're like, let's go. You know, it's like, we're all engaged in this. It's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm for this. It's, it, we get excited about it. You, you think about it. The guys get out there. They, they practice, they practice, they practice. They grab the ball. They have a plan. They have a team. They're executing it. They're, they're, they, they've got, they, they know what they're doing. Can you imagine if, if we were grabbing the ball and we just started running around on the field, and they're like, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm just out here. I know. So you'd be like, that's not going to accomplish anything. Do you realize when God established the church, he established purpose for what they're doing? If we have the mindset that I come to church just to walk through the door to be like, I checked in today, and I feel good about it. I, nobody can come up to me and ask me if I was at church or not. I can tell them that I was. He, he says that in Matthew 16, 18, he says, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. He said, I'm going to raise something up. Now, when he said the word church, it was the word ecclesia. It was nothing new. And maybe sometimes in our minds we have this idea that, wow, God established something new. What is the church? They didn't do that. See, the ecclesia was something that was common in their culture. The, the, the word, the called out, literally the ek out, lesia, is called, the called out ones. It had different meanings in their culture. It was citizens that were gathered together for a purpose. It was referenced to citizens that were called out to gather for military purposes or simply the gathering of people called out for a specific purpose. Ecclesia was never referenced as a specific place. It was never a place. It was a movement. It was never a place it was a movement. So what happened over time 
is we've started making it about a place. So, so we walk in and check into a place and we sit in a place and we, we do our thing in the place and then we leave. But when you've noticed this, do you guys remember this church that Jesus established, that one that was in Jerusalem? It was that really big, awesome building. It had one of the best steeples in town. Big sign that says, Pastor Jesus, come, come visit next Sunday. Do you guys remember that church? You say, Pastor Tony, that's not in the Bible. No, it's not in the Bible. You know why? Because Peter, James, and John, let's go, let's go, let's go. It was a movement. It was rallying people together to teach the word of God to go. Even when you look at the beginning of the church and they continue daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house and eating meat with singleness and heart. They, they would eat, they would sing, they would talk, they would fellowship, they would go. God's plan was to be a movement. He said, I'm gonna build something. It was action, not sitting. He, he said in Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. He said in Matthew 4, 19, follow me. John 4, 4, he said, and I must needs go through Samaria. And he said unto them, go in all the world and preach the gospel. Let me tell you, everything that God describes the church to be cannot happen from here. Here's where we are at. Man, this world's a mess. Those kids, man, they need Jesus. That's what they need. I'll tell you what, if they, they need Jesus, that's what we do. Like, I'll tell you what, politics today, and you got so-and-so, like this. And if Jesus came up, he'd be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Get up! I've established what the church was. I've established the calling on your life. I've told you where the power is. And you sit there. Things aren't like they used to be. God's power is just not working. Man, we're losing the next generation. Man, the world's falling apart. Marriages are falling apart. And God just looks at us and says, why don't you get off the bench? Why don't you engage what he's called us to? A gathering of people for a movement. It had purpose. It touches lives. It reaches the lost. It gathers us together. It edifies the body of Christ. Why does the church prevail? The church is God's people. It fulfills God's purpose. It's a movement. But it stands in the power of, in the power of God. Notice it says, in the gates of hell, at the end of that verse, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he was drawing this picture. The gate is literally a gate. So like I said at the beginning, he was establishing the kingdom of hell. An army. Oh, oh so it said warriors. But he was raising up an army of God on the other side of it. We're, 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 the, we're called to a purpose. We're called. And he literally said, let me tell you something about their kingdom. The gates of hell or what that represented or the, 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 the door of it or whatever that's unleashed by hell cannot prevail against the church. He said this, you say, where's the power come from? It doesn't come from what we do. It doesn't come from our traditions. He said it in verse 16, and Simon Peter, Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Not in the power of our programs. Not in our traditions, not in our events. It's, it's founded upon, let me put it like this, it's founded upon Jesus Christ. I love soaking up the word of God. I love it. I love learning and growing. But I've been called to something. I've been, I've been called to something. For us to be in church and be like, more people need, people aren't following Jesus Christ, you know, then be a discipler. How dare us brag on the fact, well, I've been in church 50 years. I've been in church 40 years. I've never missed church. I'd look good for you. Praise God. 
up in heaven right now, there's a chart, and he just put a sticker next to your name, okay? Just like, good for you. She said, it's a movement. I, I just, just get off the bench, and to whom much is given, much shall be required. If God's called you to make disciples, if God's called you to be connected, God's called you to reach the lost, then we're losing because we're sitting. And we're complaining when God's established the authority of the word of God. I, I, I do what I do because of Jesus Christ. And that is the power that changes lives. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm asking the question, are we winning? And if not, are you sitting on the sidelines? Are you engaged? And you know, today I'm, I'm literally just inviting you. I know that he established out of everything that he did, you know, at the core of the ministry of Jesus, you know what he did? He had 12 disciples and he gathered them together and he sometimes he'd sit with them and the disciples sometimes would sit there and they would be like, Lord, teach us to pray. I'm not allowed to ask, pray like this. My father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. You know, he, he was teaching them. He was leading them, calling them out. Peter, your spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is willing. That, that, is, that is why we, we gather together to worship, but we grow together through discipleship of what God's established. I'm saying what we're talking about is you need it because that's what God establishes, the power of which we build the church today. It's just time to engage in it.